back to Ornate Stairwells. I'm Autumn. I'm joined as always by Neve. Hi, I'm Neve. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> pulling back the curtain. Just just pulling back the curtain a little bit. We entered the podcast a minute ago. We had to scrap it. And I said, I'm joined by Nia. And you said, Neve. And then, so this time, I was like, oh, I'll do Neve. And then you were like, I gotta really just accentuate that. We've that, talked about this before yeah. on the pod. Like, like no matter what, how I say it, you're gonna say it a little more right than I do. <laughs> it, it's this like unconscious thing of like when you say Nia, mm-hmm. Nia is a name for like friends to yeah. call me. Yeah, it's not a name for just like random listeners to call me. Uh huh. And we're friends, so you call me Nia all the time. Uh huh. But when you say that, then I'm like, I'm going to like fully assert in a way that people won't mishear it as just Nia again. Yeah. Neve. Yes. I, I, I get that. And then when you say Neve on the podcast, uh-huh. then I go, Neve. <laughs> I get just, the lilt in there. It's just funny. It's just funny that I can't be right for being wrong, you know? <laughs> um... <clears throat> Anyway, this is a movie podcast. Segment one, we're going to talk about other movies we watched. Main segment is going to be this week about The Devils by Ken Russell, released in 1971. Very good movie. We'll get to that in a moment. And then um, weird non-homophobia zone coming for you after the outro music this week. It's a weird one. Um, we have a fight. There's a listener poll. Um, there's an, an attempt at starting the podcast that gets scrapped. I got so mad about sports, There's I started cats. wheezing. There's cats. There's screaming kid. There's screaming kid. Wasn't really that much screaming kid, but... There's me getting mad about sports a second time. <laughs> but anyway, what other movies did you watch this week? Um, I didn't watch anything. If people go listen to the non-homophobia zone, they will hear all the life updates about all the reasons why I didn't watch movies this mm-hmm. time. Um, the short of it is... A combination of I was pretty busy with other things, mm. 
And also, there were times when I was like, I could watch a movie now. But I was thinking in my head, I have to record this Monday night and then drive into work, like wake up at five to drive into work the next day, mm-hmm. uh, which means that like ideally I should be going to bed around 10. Yeah. And so I don't want to do a long podcast. And then like literally today, the day that we're recording it, I found out that I don't have to drive into work tomorrow. Yeah. So, which is a, a W overall, but it also means there's a moment where I was like, I could have watched movies. I could have watched movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only watched uh, because because I was so sports pilled um, the last the last couple weeks. Um, I had not watched any movies. Literally, literally, I so I watched Star Trek for the Voyage Home yesterday evening, Sunday evening, and literally it was like the Sixers lost. I kind of just spent an hour just like pouting. And not quite crying because I would have felt like a punk if I cried about it, but I felt I wanted to cry about it. And at a certain point, I was like, I need to do something to not think about this. I need to go movie mode a little bit. And so I just put on Star Trek for the Voyage Home. Hadn't seen it before. That's a pretty good movie. Um, not that my rankings count for much because I've only seen four Star Trek movies and I feel like the rankings are self-evident. But ranking of Star Trek movies goes... Wrath of Khan, the motion picture, the voyage home, and then obviously search for Spock. Dirt worst, terrible movie. Christopher Lloyd somehow does yellow face and brown face in the same role in that movie. <laughs> um, no, the voyage home is good. Um, I don't have much thoughts about it. It's kind of, in some ways, it's like the most Star Trekky of them, and in some ways, it's like the least Star Trekky of them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, like it's, it's been a really, really long time since I've watched it, but there is a feeling to it of like, in some ways, this is like the idea for an episode uh-huh. blown out over like an entire yeah uh, movie length, but also it's the kind of episode that you would scrap because it would. That you would be like inclined to scrap because it would involve like a lot of location location shooting, shooting and like costume design work right. and everything like getting a bunch of like you know not that hard to bring in bit people for like Star Trek but still like just the number would be different mm-hmm. you know um, like there's like a Deep Space Nine go back in in time episode. Um, that also feels like a little bit more like, oh, they had to like develop some new stuff for this in the way that they don't mm. always have to. Yeah. Uh, but also it's still like a very fictionalized going back in time. Uh-huh. Whereas this is like, we are like going to the seventies. Yeah. And it's like, you would think that that's makes it easier to shoot that. It's just like, oh, we're just in the streets of San Francisco. But I think that probably makes it harder. Yeah. You know, uh, for like what a Star Trek you know, episode yeah. budget is especially. Yeah. Um like, but, that's just like so based on like back lots and sets and things. I, I, I think it's I think it's really needed to do this movie at the moment in the series that you do. Cause like Star Trek the Motion Picture, TV show's been off air for a while, so you need to sort of reestablish things. Um it and the motion picture is obviously going for this very unique tone um within the context of the franchise um it, the the motion picture is really ambitious in a lot of ways 
And then you have Wrath of Khan, which is just like, it's the fucking Wrath of Khan. You know, yeah. it's incredible. And then you have like the search for Spock, which is, I think, is trying to be in the same like adventure movie space that the Wrath of Khan is. You know, it's trying yeah. to work in that same genre and fails just absolutely miserably. And so I, it, it is very nice that the Voyage Home is just like a competent, it is competently done, is of no consequence, um, is basic. It is basically a beach episode, you know. Yeah. It is as close as Star Trek is going to get to a beach episode. Yeah. And I think like, hey, we really lost the way with that last movie. Let's just pull it back and like spotlight the characters that you like. Put them in a kind of a low stakes situation, like, uh, oh no, the Earth is gonna die. Get to oh, have them in some fun casual clothes. Yeah, yeah. The the <laughs> my favorite joke. There were a lot of good jokes in this movie. My favorite one, maybe, is um. So so the team splits up, and Uhura and um Chekhov are supposed to go get some nuclear particles to to fix the ship they're in, right? Yeah. And my favorite bit is Chekhov just walking up to this cop and being like, can you tell me where the nuclear submarines are in, the, in Alameda? I am trying to get to the nuclear submarines. And he's like thick Russian accent yeah. and everything. And the cop just kind of stares at him and doesn't say anything. And so he just approaches random people on the street and is like, I'm trying to get to the nuclear vessels. Can somebody please take me to the nukes? <laughs> It's really fucking funny. <laughs> and they, they just keep cutting back to the cop, just kind of being like, what am I looking at here? <laughs> do I need to do something about this? This seems like too on the nose. <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit of like, <clears throat> everybody on the Enterprise is really worried about like, oh my God, they're going to like spot us. They're going to know we're time travelers. We got to be like in disguise, et cetera, et cetera. And most of the people they meet, it's San Francisco, and so they just kind of think like, "Oh, you're just weirdos." Okay, you're yeah. just like you're just like people who go to Star Trek conventions. All right, because <laughs> like Spock's running around in that movie in a fucking bathrobe, and the rest of them look just about as goofy as Spock does. <laughs> yeah, um, it's very it's very charming. Um, also, also just. One one tiny last little thing about the voyage home, very funny. So much ink is spilled in the next generation about the prime directive. We have to make sure we maintain the prime directive in space, in time. You know, um, what does it mean to maintain the prime directive, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Meanwhile, <laughs> the Virgin Picard. What does it mean to uphold the Prime Directive? The Chad Kirk. I brought a. I brought my bitch back from the twenty third, from the twentieth century, and just sort of told her to get a job and bailed on her. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even. There is no time in that movie for Kirk to lay the pipe. <laughs> he just. <laughs> He just meets this woman, flirts with her. She ends up in the 23rd century and is like, all right, bye. And he's like, all right, bye. <laughs> Does not care. Does not give a single shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Kirk is the funniest starship captain. That's the actual thing. Is that regardless of who you think is the best, I think Kirk is. Kirk is the funniest. That's it. That's the yeah. end of it. Anyway, <clears throat> should we talk about the devils? Um, you gotta rate stairs. Oh, yes. So, um, for the stairs, um, there weren't a ton. There weren't zero. The the most notable ones, perhaps, are, um, so the 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 plot is that the um the crew of the Enterprise has to go get like get these whales because there's this thing threatening the Earth that communicates in whale song. And so they go back whale to... Whale song. <laughs> Admiral, I'm receiving whale song. <laughs> um, so they, they have to go back to get these whales, and um, Kirk and Spock go to the whale, this, this museum that has some whales. And there is a, a set of stairs in the museum that features, in I think, two different little bits. One of, like, Kirk and Spock sort of, like, being part of the tour that's being led by, um, like, the the woman, the love interest lady. Um, and then later as, like, I think there's a little bit of a, like, oh, Spock. <laughs> Spock jumps into the tank with the whales and mind melds with them um, and gets kicked out of the museum. And I think on their way out, they have a little conversation on the stairs. I'm going to say there's some nice looking stairs, but the scenes are not of terrible consequence. I'm going to go C minus, you know, um, there are scenes on the stairs. They look nice, but I can't get you above a C minus for that. You know, maybe I I could get you a C, but I'm feeling a C minus today. So yeah, the devils talk about, talk about a movie with some goddamned stairs. Yeah. Talk about a movie with some motherfucking stares. Um, should, should we? Can, yeah. Do you want me to pull up? I was about to say, can you pull up yeah. the Wikipedia page for this? So yeah, this is directed by Ken Russell. It's released in 1971. It is... <clears throat> how to describe it? This is a historical drama... Um, is a 1971 British historical drama horror film written, produced, and directed by Ken Russell and starring Oliver Reed and Vanessa Redgrave. I can see why people say horror film, but... I don't think so. It it almost feels more... It's also not, like, erotic thriller, but I feel like, in my heart, it's more in the space of erotic thriller. Uh-huh. Than... Yeah, I saw... I, I saw somebody on Letterboxd say that this movie is hard to watch... In sort of like the same way that people talk about like Antichrist being hard to watch because this movie is so explicit and so like, you know, um, shocking that it's hard to watch. I didn't feel that with this in any way, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, so the story is that um, Oliver Reed is playing Urbain Grandier. He is the priest of this little French town. Um, and there's a nunnery, um, in town led by Sister Jean, um, and the cardinal, the cardinal, um, wants, basically wants this little town, Ludon, to have its walls torn down, 
um, because, you know, he wants to have some sort of political control over the city, basically. And he can't convince the king to let them tear down the walls because Grandier makes this big speech, you know, and convinces the king that, no, we have to let the, the wall stand. Yeah. And so um, the cardinal gets his lackey, um, the yeah. Baron de Lubardemont, <laughs> um, and the Baron and his uh, his lackey, uh, Father Barre, sort of like drum up these accusations that Grandier is possessing um, the nuns in the town for his sinful purposes. And like they're they're the 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 possession becomes this big spectacle, this big show attracts a ton of tourism to the town. There's these big audiences as like the nuns are just like stripping naked because basically Father Barre and the Baron and the whole gang sort of and antag- also in a way where he feels the most um because because there's also. Uh, Father Mignon, mm-hmm. um, and he like goes to do the confession instead of um, Grandier uh-huh. for for the nuns, and is like kind of scandalized by like her confessing, essentially like visions that she has, but then especially like feeling. I think some of the scandalization from him is like emphasizing of like oh he like you know came in to my room and it, like, right it's like <sighs> moving it out of like what would be her imagination because she just has the hots for him yeah and into like oh he's like possessing me or something yes yes so and so he's sort of scandalized by this and kind of gets brought along and i think is like increasingly aware of the sham that's happening yeah but is still like in it too deep to really do anything, and then only in the end, like, really has, like, regrets about what he did. But right. So, he's also so, sort of in all of this <clears throat> plotting. And basically, like, what, what the Baron and um, Father Barre do is they sort of, like, provoke these women into, like, becoming, like, more and more possessed, quote-unquote. Like... Um, like there's a bit where, um, he says to the nuns, well, you know, obviously now that you're possessed by demons, you can't be held responsible for your actions and stuff. Yeah. And so the, the, the nuns. There's a part where they're like, where he's like about to kill them unless they like help. And then it's like, but you are possessed. And so you are going to like scream and tear off your clothes. And they're like, right. Oh, okay, oh yeah. Yeah. You, you had us like in a mass grave ready to shoot us. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're telling us that we were in a mass grave getting ready to be shot and now we get to strip naked and scream and do all the things we yeah. weren't supposed to be doing as nuns? Yes. Yeah. After, will... like, immense uh, sexual repression and, like, guilt. Right. And so, so but yeah, basically, the, this whole town gets caught up in this cycle of everybody is affiliated with the church and the church is so repressive of sexuality and the, this possession thing becomes a outlet for that repressed sexuality. Meanwhile, um, Grandier is like, will fully admit to anyone who asks, yeah, I fuck. Yeah. No, no, I do not possess women into like becoming, you know, coming into my black Sabbath and, you know. Yeah. But he he has, I mean, it's still like tied up in some of it, but he has like a more 
healthy relationship to sex. Yeah. The way the way he's using that girl at the beginning is still like not great, but I think he has a certain uh, he has at least this thing of like this should be within like the realm of other things. Like maybe mm-hmm. you come to confess about something else and it's like you might be a little bit worried about what you're doing, but it's still like a sin that you're going to ask for absolution for uh-huh. and like be granted it and there are like ways to understand sex within like the church as well. Like it's just like a, a normal human activity. Yeah. And so like, you know, he gets married to this woman, but then that scandal is cause it's a priest getting married, but he's like, marriage is like one of the biggest sacraments in the church. It doesn't like fully make sense that like, right. priests Shouldn't be doing that. Right. When it's like one of the biggest things that are held up with. Right. Uh, so yeah, there's like, there's a lot of him like pointing out things that, you know, well, there's a lot of, <laughs> I, I guess the the simplest read I can give on Grandier is that like he is he is aware. Hey, I'm a little fucked up about sex. Hey, yeah. there's a lot of like stuff I've learned about sex, and it's kind of fucked me up. And I have this weird relationship with it. And in 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 just acknowledging, hey, I have a weird relationship to this thing. Hey, I think about this a lot. It brings me a lot of like trouble and and confusion. In just acknowledging that ends up having a way healthier relationship. And also being willing to, like, have the sex and then deal yes. with the complicated feelings. Yes. Rather than it, not have the sex and just, like, continue to be, like, pent up and repressed about it. Because, like, other characters in this movie might go fuck and then, like, you know, flagellate themselves or whatever. Or think about fucking and then flagellate themselves. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, Which is what we see with, like, the nuns. So anyway, this this escalates, um, and uh, there's this sort of like show trial done. It's like obviously, it's a foregone conclusion that Grandier definitely possessed these women, um, and he like is brought before the judges, and they're just like, well, obviously you're guilty, you know, like yeah. this is this it's all a sham, and he well, and pulled, a, a detail in all of this is like. At the very beginning, the Cardinal Richelieu um, is going to the king and is being like, basically, we need to like drive out these little like uh, sort of autonomous cities that can be enclaves for Protestants. Right. Yes. Um, yes, 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 yes. And so there's this part where they're like tearing down the walls of the city and he goes out and like puts a stop to it. They stop the construction or the deconstruction for then that point. Um, and then like writes this letter being like, hey, like we're Catholic here. Um, you know, blah blah blah, and basically like knows how to be on the good side of King Louis the Thirteenth of France. Mm. Um, where he's like, okay, we're not going to tear it down, but Richelieu still wants for like sort of religious but also political reasons, and then especially the Baron, uh, Lubardemont. It seems like he doesn't even like care really about the religious side at all. No, he purely is just like we need to get rid of these like. Autonomous regions. Everything should just be underneath, like, yeah, the the crown, the the king and the like, the crown and the church, and those two should be the one thing we should need to consolidate power as much as possible. Yeah. Um. And also, in in so consolidating, I come out on top. Yeah. You know. And so as the sham trial is going on, a lot of it is him pointing out like there are political reasons that you want to tear down this city. Uh huh. Everyone here who is a part of the city. This is about them trying to take away your city. Yes. 
Uh, and then, you know, the, the trial keep being like, oh, this is not a political trial. It is a, like, religious trial for your sins or, you know, uh-huh. all of that. And continuing, like, doing that framing. And so, basically, like, the thing that um, Grandier does is he sort of presents himself with dignity through the whole trial um, and sort of a steadfastness. And so, he he comes in and he's like... Yeah. Yes, and I'm refuses married. to like confess to the sin of like possessing. Yes, you know, go, you know, the sin that he didn't do. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yes, yes, I'm married. Yes, I fuck. Yes, I do like x like x y and z sins. No, I am not like you know a sorcerer or <laughs> like leading this like pagan ritual. That's absurd. I've never seen this done in my life because he hasn't. You know, yeah. um. And and then like you know, toward the end, she tries to recant what she says, and she's like not allowed to recant basically because like no, we we want to kill this guy, yeah. like we want to burn him at the you, stake. Yeah, and basically the argument of like, well, you're possessed by the devil who speaks these lies, saying that he didn't do these things. Uh huh. You know, and and so they they start to torture him. That's like the 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 shocking aspect of this movie is the is the some would say gratuitous torture scenes that happen. Yeah. Including like sexual, sexualized yes. torture. Yes. There is like boiling water being like injected into vaginas. There is uh, piercing of the testicles. There is wedges being driven into legs. We can talk in a moment about whether we think it's gratuitous because I have thoughts there. But I yeah. want to just close out this plot summary because we're so close to the end. They torture him. He won't admit it. Or he won't confess because there's nothing to confess to. Um, they burn him at the stake. And the the burning scene is really compelling as you've got the executioner who's like, well, I'm not going to let you burn alive, obviously. I'll strangle you before we start the fire. Yeah. Um, I, Despite this being my job, I know you're a decent man. Yes. <laughs> there's the whole town looking on and there are some, some folks in the audience who are laughing and there's some who are weeping. There's Father Mignon who sort of started this whole ball rolling um, and is now sort of faced with like, is like looking at like, you know, Grandier is standing here with dignity and, and uh, you know, like honor and, you know, permitting himself to be burned at the stake in this way. Yeah. And, and also repeating too, that like, I'm going to like my judgment, yeah. but so are all of you. Yes. <laughs> and so like, whatever I did or did not do, like, that is God for worry to, to worry about. Like, and also whatever y'all have done, God is going to come back for that too. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm just saying. <laughs> and so Mignon is like, oh my God, what have I done? And meanwhile, you get like uh, Labardemon who's like, I fucking win, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um. There's a, the, the, the. Second to last scene after the the stake burning of like Labardemont goes to talk to the the sister who started all of this, and she's like, "Oh, I feel bad about everything I've done, et cetera, et cetera." And he's like, "Yeah, that shit sucks. All right, I'm on to the next town to tear down." <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially like in a way that he kind of quietly was throughout the entire yeah. movie. But this is like him the most mask off about just like no i am just like a modern businessman like yeah. here to like yeah i'm doing do like, a, do a like destroy a city for like power <laughs> i'm doing corporate ac- acquisitions over here yeah like <laughs> um 
<laughs> like, yeah, he he feels so yeah. Anyway, yeah. <clears throat> um, and yeah, that's that's where the movie ends of just like all these people, sort of in the wake of, you know, this um, all these people sort of have to like just go on with their lives in the wake of it. There's a the 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 credits roll over, you know, the woman, Madeline, that um, Grandier marries, she just sort of, like, walks out of the town and starts walking down the road, and it's just like, yeah, she just has to go live the rest of her life, yeah. however long that is now. You know, maybe that's an hour, maybe that's 40 years. I have no way of knowing, you know? Yeah. Um, Really good movie. Really good movie. There's the plot. There's a lot more to get into yeah. that's, like, not plot. We, yeah, we didn't cover, like, the way that the movie starts before it gets to plot, which yeah. is that uh, King Louis does a drag show Yes. for the Cardinal, yes. basically. Yes. Louis the Thirteenth. Um, yeah. Um, which is also great because it the movie starts with, like, uh, this is, like all historical where we've made like the utmost attempts at like recreating reality and the truth. And then it immediately goes into just the most gaudy, like drag theater performance. Yes. And like, and like just like everything is like shiny and glittery in a way that I just don't even believe that they had the like materials to do that back then. Well, and, and there's something deliberately being done with, you know, grim intertitle and this red serifed font of the historical accuracy of what you are about to see. And then we open on like a stage, you know, the most, the most artificial thing there is a stage. Um, and then, you know, over the next two hours, you know, just debauchery and, and exploitation and, you know, titillation. And I, so, okay. To, to talk a little bit about the torture, I think, and maybe this is because, maybe if I'm thinking about this in the context of 1971, I feel a little differently. But I'm, I'm ha- I can't totally put myself in that moment. What I can do is I can put myself in 2023 and I think the torture scenes and the the um you know the the more exploitationy sort of elements to it are actually somewhat restrained because the thing that Russell does is that in those moments he's not showing you the boiling water going into the vagina. He is not showing you the wedges going into the legs. Yeah. What he is showing you is the face reacting to that is, is showing you not, not only the face reacting to it. He'll, he'll give you these shots where you can see the torturer and the tortured both and sort of like the feelings that they are getting out of. And you will see like the instruments of torture. Yes. But not like the actual, uh, like sight of the torture happening on the body. Yeah. There is, there, there is more spent on for most of it. There's like the long buildup of like drawing the boiling water into the syringe or or getting all the little like he douses the the wood with the the wedges um in holy water or um you know getting all the nuns into the mass grave that that is sort of a a, a moment that gets lingered on and then the actual torture itself is you know off screen in some way you know yeah and there is a certain amount to which 
like I can see how this can be still sometimes like the thing that's not seen is then the thing that you see in your mind and then it's like worse than they could do. Uh-huh. Because yeah, you know, I mean there's definitely been improvements, but there are still moments where you'll see, even in like an Evil Dead movie, where you're like, oh, you know, they had to get a bunch of like this to do that shot or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? They like went to a pig butcher for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? There is, there is similar, yeah, similar to Evil Dead, some of the joy of that is that like, you know, man, they really did just like throw 20 gallons of some liquid at Bruce Campbell and I don't yeah. really know what it is, but... <laughs> um, or, you know, like sometimes it then goes into like the Rikio stuff where it's like really fun to watch and it is like very gratuitous, but you're also like hyper aware of like, and then they suddenly cut and it's just like a mummy head that, or like uh-huh. a dummy head that they're like kicking or yeah. whatever. And it flies off humorously and then it cuts uh-huh. back to, you know, the person with like their head all hunched down and their outfit or something going, ah! you know, whatever it is. Well, and then the other thing that you get out of doing the, the, the violence in the way that this movie does of, of, of not, instead of giving you these special effects shots that show you all the gory details of the torture, instead focusing on the actors, like you really highlight how good the cast is for this movie. Everybody is doing so well. And it's like, and I think it's also really impressive the way that um, uh, Russell is able to balance certain things because it would be easy for this movie to feel so over the top. And in some ways it does. It, in some ways this is over the top. This is... yeah. But it, it feels like a very control... It doesn't feel like the movie gets away from him in any way. Yeah. The, it... I think it does a really good job of like walking the line mm-hmm. between things where like a lot of it does feel historical. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of, uh, you know, damage that like the Catholic church has done on society right. is on display yes. here. Yes. And like the amount of like repression, the way that like there are many historical records of like whipping people into frenzies because of the like repression that they had. Mm -hmm. And then like having this moment of like almost, uh, excuse, but you're not even, your brain's not like conceptualizing it necessarily. It's like, Oh, this is my excuse to go wild. But Uh like, you still have these like social things where all of that, like stuff that's sort of pent up gets released because now you, there is like this, brief moment of social acceptance because of the way that like everything is situated. Yeah. There's like a, there's a religious fervor hits this certain like fever pitch where like all the thing, all the things that we are anxious about, we're anxious about sex and the anxiety has bubbled up and bubbled up. And now it has boiled over to where now sex is acceptable in a, in a certain way. Yeah. You know, or, or or it's like, is socially permitted. in this it is like socially permitted it's not acceptable but it is socially permitted as we are all doing this unacceptable thing because something has happened where we can no longer control ourselves yes yes um and like that moment where you want to give up control because you have been like trying so hard to control this thing that's Uh like you know you're you're putting too much work into repressing um you know in a way that i think like even individuals can understand the like moment of like you know, maybe trying to repress crying or something. And then you're like, finally hit that moment where like some stupid little thing happens. And then you're just like bawling. Mm-hmm. Cause you've just had it all pent up. Um, 
you know, that's sort of happening on this like mass scale. Um, and so that stuff, while being like very over the top and ridiculous, also feels realistic. Yeah. The amount of torture that was done to people feels realistic. Yes. All of this stuff being like an actual ploy just to like get rid of an enclave. Right. Uh, that's like outside of the immediate authority of the king is like, yeah, that, yeah. that, that shit happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also at the same time that there is that, it does feel realistic or like true to the historical fact. It also feels very campy. Uh huh. It also feels exploitative, mm-hmm. right? Like it's like hitting all these genres at the same time. Yeah. In a way where that's why when I see the, the people who talk about this movie being like, oh, it's just like purely there for exploitation's sake, I'm like, it's not though. Yeah. Like, it, there's so much other stuff that it's doing with it at the same time. Yeah. But it and is I, also being exploitative. And I, th- and I, I think, think purposefully. Yeah, I think so, too. I think I think some of, like, the, the, the way that you have to buy into, you know, whether, whether you're an audience in 1971 or you're an audience in 2023, like, you know... Whether you're you're a British audience, you know this is a British made and directed movie, or an American audience, or what have you, we we live in societies that are very like preoccupied about sex in some way, and there is, you know, in the moment of this movie's coming out, in the and you know now today, we're in these moments of like, you know, upheaval of you know the norms around sex and sexuality, right? Yeah. Um, and I think you have to have that exploitative element to sort of get somebody into the mindset um, of the historical period. Yeah. You know? I mean, this stuff is exploitative because we're all still kind of fucked up about sex. Right. Even if we're not this level of fuck... We're not... I, right. we're not, I, I thought about touching myself and so I'm going to like hit myself with a cat of nine tails on the back 20 times. Right, 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 right. But we're still fucked up about sex and that's why exploitation is a genre. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and so you have to sort of, you have to ex- exaggerate. You have to, because it's, it's easy for an audience to look at, you know, centuries past and be like, oh, well, they were fucked up back then, but us, we're normal. And so you have to heighten things and bring things out so that even an audience today can't sort of displace, oh, those people were fucked up, but I'm not. You know, an audience today still has to, like, confront something about their own attitudes towards sex while watching the movie, you know? Yeah. Um, And I, 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 yeah, I just want to highlight again, like, I think a lot of this comes down to, I think the cast does a really good job of of wearing like, you know, the like especially um Vanessa Redgrave as, as Sister Jean, but I think the whole cast does this really good job of like holding the two conflicting emotions of I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't and I must, I have to indulge, I have to, you know, like I want to. I want to. Yeah. You know, and not the, I can't the... ever say I want to. I have to I, I, I can't ever, I want, I can't ever say I want, so I have to displace desire in some way on devils, on possession, on, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. The, sort of in, in this, like, 
space as well. Uh, I have to mention the scene of the like sex dream about Jesus. Which yeah. Which is just incredible. Yeah. Uh, especially because like one of the images is a thing that also just like shows up in like old kind of horny art about Jesus, which is the part where like, so it's Jesus on the cross uh, and then starts like pulling himself off and it's now um, Grandier instead of mm-hmm. Jesus, but still with like the crown of thorns and everything. But now she's imagining Jesus as like this, you know, man that she has a crush on. Mm. Um, and one of the first things that she does, I think initially she like sweeps her like hair across his feet, uh-huh. which is a thing that happens in the Bible, but is like also has some deep horniness right. to it. Right. And then does another thing that shows up in like actual art, which is like basically perform kind of lingus on the, the yeah. stab wound on the side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, and then it just like falls falls down into like full like you know passionate rolling across the ground kissing and stuff. Right. But like, yeah, I think I think this is a movie. It it just it's a movie that understands the sexual fantasy of like you know <clears throat> licking Jesus's sword wound. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I was I was. You heard me pause in that sentence because I was like, I want to unpack what that sexual fantasy is. No, I'm not going to. If you don't understand the sexual fantasy of, of licking Jesus's sword wound, I'm sorry there's no help for you. I think it is a spear, <laughs> the spear of Longinus. Yes, it is the spear of <laughs> Which later Ray Ayanami were the... hauled in space. <laughs> the Lance of Longinus. <laughs> um... I mostly had to just say that because yeah no 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 I don't yeah. I knew it was a spear I don't know why I kept saying sword because the moment you said that I'm like right duh spear <laughs> yeah um a little, a little figure of it right right over in that room <laughs> anyway. I don't I don't like Eva that much yeah it is sick when she throws that sword in, or throws that spear into fucking <laughs> space again. yeah but it is it is it is sick it when is she sick. just she just chucks that thing yeah. <laughs> The thing is, I do just, I like the show, and I like the manga. There's yeah. just so much other stuff after that. One of these days, I should read the manga and just be like, this is the good Evangelion, and just, like, be be at peace with it. There's still some stuff in there that's, like, not the best, mm-hmm. you know? It also has its problems. There are things where you're like, oh, I like this more in this one. Or uh-huh. But, um... Whatever, who cares? Yeah. I think it's my favorite Koru because he's just like such a fucking brat. He's just a piece of shit. I love him. <laughs> fucking sucks. I hate his guts. <laughs> um, Complimentary. What else to say about this movie? What else to say? The other, I mean, I, I was just noticing here because I scrolled down on here to the cast and there's some where he's talking about it. And he says that like he thinks of this as his one political film. Um, that he's like, one, it says, I was a devout Catholic. I think it's interesting. He says, I was a devout Catholic and very secure in my faith. I knew I wasn't making a pornographic film. Although I am not a political creature, I always viewed the devils as my one political film. Um, you know, I think it's interesting that he was making this when he was very Catholic. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Not surprising in some ways. I saw one review that called this movie, uh, this is just you were like picking at letterbox reviews and then mm-hmm. I was trying to find, find them. And then I found one that called the movie deeply anti-Protestant. And I was like, the Protestants only show up as people killed by the, the Catholics and like, yeah. put on, 
I feel like if this movie has a bone to pick with anybody, it's not the Protestants. No, no. The, the, <laughs> Russell being a Catholic, um, at least at the time of the making of the film or the conceptualizing of the film or whatever, you know, um, is sort of unsurprising in some way because who who is more fucked up about Catholicism than Catholics themselves? Yeah. <laughs> and, and this does feel like a, a certain, like, trying to work through things that exist in Catholicism. Yeah. And I think more so than I do directly, I think I'm, I think the movie is more positive on um, Grandier than, like, I am. Like, I still think Grandier is, like, one of the most normal people in this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. But I think there are still ways that he's more fucked up than I think the movie thinks he is. Well, I, but, I, you know, the thing... There's a there's a couple things here, I guess. Is that, that like, you know, I think a person... A person like myself who doesn't have any sort of identification with the Catholic Church... I couldn't make this movie because, like, <clears throat> I think if I were going to try to make this movie, it would be just a little too, like, on the outside of it. I think you can only make this movie when and you make do it have, work the way it does. When you have an understanding or a sympathy or, or an empathy or whatever it is for the subject matter, you know? Yeah. You can only. You can only get to this place with these characters when you care about these characters in some way, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't think that I would have, you know, I don't think a non-Catholic person in a lot of ways would have these sort of like historical or or, you know, whatever it is, like the ground the ground that you need to stand on to make that work, you know? Yeah. Um and then um Oh, I had another. Th- what was the thing you just said? Because I had a thought that spun out of what you said about Grandier. Grandier, yeah. Um, it's also just not surprising because the the final card that the movie plays is that like Grandier is a Christ figure, you know? Yeah. Like, like you know, um, he he goes and spends his forty days and nights in the desert and then is killed. You know, like he doesn't he doesn't spend forty days and nights in the desert, but he like. We see him at the start of the movie sort of soul-searching, you know, and the soul-searching and the soul-searching and the soul-searching, and then, you know, when the, the sort of possession crisis reaches a certain head and then he has to get involved in this way, um, then, you know, he is tortured and killed and he maintains his dignity throughout. I think the maintaining of the dignity... And he's betrayed, and there's a part where they shout out Judas Judas, and they're talking about him as a betrayer, I think. Yeah. But then that's when, like... Some Mignon. of the other, like, yeah, Mignon is like, yeah, shit, am I the Judas? Yeah, the, the execu- are we the baddies? <laughs> the, the the executioner being like, I didn't want to be Judas. Yeah. <laughs> um. Meanwhile, the other guy just being like, yeah, I'm fucking Pontius Pilate. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Baron Baron de Lo- <laughs> La- Le- 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 can- washes yeah, Le- his hands of this shit. <laughs> he yeah. does not care. <laughs> Sentence dealt onto the next city to ruin. Um, but yeah, I, I also think, you know, and I've seen a few other, this is the first Ken Russell film that I saw. Um, I saw this back in like high school. Oi, we spot a dick. Um, and so it's been a while since I re- revisited it. I remember enjoying it a lot. Um, and having seen other Ken Russell films, 
there was a lot of stuff. There's like images that I had. I, I very clearly remembered the whole like dream sequence about Jesus because mm-hmm. it's hard to forget mm-hmm. from this movie. It's just mm-hmm. like one of the stellar scenes. I had forgotten the drag show that starts it. So that was a fun surprise. <laughs> um, but more of what I remembered was sort of this. And it was at this point where I was like watching the more exploitation movies, you know, getting, getting the feel for that. And so that's what I like remembered more and the the really political aspect of this i'd kind of forgotten mm-hmm. i think one because it just wasn't watching that many movies like in this watching exploitation stuff in high school mm-hmm. with that as much in mind you know yeah i was still reading marks back then but i, I was <laughs> <laughs> you know but then the, the other thing is especially since then i probably noticed it back then Uh but it didn't stick with me the same way because when i would go watch other ken russell films it's just not there in the way that it is here Uh uh-huh a lot of the other stuff will be a little the exploitation will vary how much is he doing the exploitation thingy the camp is usually going to be a little turned up and it's never going to have like quite the same political like this is about just the the like mechanics of power you know trying to like subsume these autonomous regions under a single state and stuff. Mm. Um, and the way that like power will use people's religion, people's like uh, the things that people are fucked up about and everything against them in order to destroy them. Mm. Um, so that was the thing watching it this time that I was very excited about. I think, I think this movie's fucking remarkable. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, I think this movie's really fucking good. <laughs> um, also, also, we watched this movie because, um, I know that Emma's a big fan of it. Um, uh, oh, that reminds me, I texted you, okay, right, I texted you, okay. I'm gonna finish the thought I had before I get into this other thought. Okay. <laughs> we watched this movie because Em really likes it, and, um... Uh, watching this movie, I I did just like, yeah, I understand why Em likes this movie, and it's it, it, not just because it's a great movie, but I'm like, yeah, this is to Em's taste. This is all yeah. the all this is all the shit that Em likes. <laughs> yeah, this is this is everything that Em likes in one movie, basically. <laughs> Religion, uh, the weird way that that aloe people are about sex, <laughs> um, you know, some some like. A lot of politics going on. A lot of politics. Like, a tasteful British amount of people. gore. <laughs> <laughs> French people. <laughs> Tell me, why does Father Barre look exactly like Warren Zevon, by the way? Why does Warren Zevon enter this movie halfway through? The, the glasses in particular are so funny. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> um, especially because they're like tilt, tinted. Yes. That's the part that really gets me. <laughs> the fucking tinted glasses. Um, yeah. Can I... Some of these, there's like a link to like the historical one. They do not have it for this guy. Might just be like an amalgam character or... You know, yeah, if I do this, it, well, here we go. Ludon Possessions, occultworld.com. <laughs> I'm sure this will be uh, entirely accurate and not at all just based on the yeah. movie. Yeah, and possibly the book. Yeah. 
Um. Anyway, I'm just wondering if there's like you know historical illustrations of this guy. But um, I don't imagine any historical ex- historical. What's the word you just said? Um, illustrations. Illustrations. Thank you. I was like, exultations was the <laughs> word that got into my head, and then I couldn't get it out. I I don't think they would look like Warren Zevon. Is the thing. Yeah. Um, do, do, do. Oh, can we talk briefly about next movies we're going to cover? Um, yeah. Oh, and so one of the things too, you said this, I don't know if this still feels true to you, uh-huh. <clears throat> uh, that you watch this movie and you're like, wow, I think I'm into movies again. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, to some extent, yes, to some extent for sure. Um, I, you know. I'm going to continue to watch the playoffs here and there. But now that the Sixers are out, I'm I'm done caring. I'm done getting invested. Yeah. Um and so I was just like this movie sort of like invigorated me into like right, this is why I care about this is cuz like, you know, sometimes something like knocks your socks off, sometimes something like is unlike is unlike anything else you've seen. And like that's the thing I really like about the podcast that we do is that we um, <clears throat> try so much to branch out and to, to try a lot of different types of stuff. And this movie is, you know, I'm not like, oh, this is unique. Nobody's ever made a movie about the church and being kind of fucked up about sex. But this is like, you know, a pretty unique little movie. There's not a lot of other stuff that's like this in the way that it is, executed in the way that this is, you know, whatever. Um, this is a really good fucking movie, and this is why we watch stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think maybe part of what's been going on for me in not being movie mode is sort of having, like, oh, I want to watch that movie, but I kind of know, like, a little bit about the plot, and I know who's in it, and I've seen another movie from that director, um... And you sort of get in your head, like, I know what that movie is, even without seeing it, you know? And, like, no. You you watch the movies because you don't actually know what it is until you watch it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, this this movie just sort of, like, reinvigorated that, like, sense of discovery a little bit um, of, like, I didn't know what this was. I thought this would be a comedy because I watched two minutes of Lair of the White Worm before I had to turn it off because it was too funny. It wasn't too funny. It was that I couldn't handle British accents because I was high. Was Holy just... meets my dick! <laughs> so, anyway. I do think that movie is a little bit about uh, how funny the British are. Next Later, couple... the white worm. Next couple things we want to cover. We I texted you about um, doing some Fossbender soon. I'd yeah. be down to do some Fossbender next week. And then um, I... Of what we have here, the thing I was, would be most excited about is Picnic at Hanging Rock. But I also know we both seen it. But... Oh, oh, we could let's do Picnic at Hanging Rock next week. Yeah. Um, because the other thing I thought about was Heavenly Creatures, which is a movie that Destiny was um encouraging us to watch. Well, I you've seen Heavenly Creatures, right? Um, I think so. Well, I haven't seen it, and Destiny was. Uh, recommending it on the um, big like 1001 movies uh, episode that we did last year. Um, 
and it's sort of stuck in my head as like that's one I really want to get around to one of these days and so um <clears throat> yeah I would love to I would love to do uh heavenly creatures sometime in like May or June you know yeah. um yeah I think we can add like a fossbender or two yeah. sort of this list. The other one that I was thinking that we should add, uh, just because I think it would just be a blast to watch, and I know you haven't seen it, is Redline. Oh sure, yeah, totally, yeah. totally, totally. Um, well, let's do let's do picnic at Hanging Rock next week. Yeah, let's uh, picnic at the at Hanging Rock feels like a like it's the vibes are different, but it feels like it's still in like a similar ballpark. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And it's been it's been such a goddamn long time since I've seen this that I I've seen it but like have I seen it, you know? You know that feeling? Yeah. Well, that's not what I wanted you to do. Is it going to let me do this? I don't know. Um I thought just do paste. Just try paste and see what happens. Yeah, I just don't want it to paste over this. Well, I'll fix it. But we know what we're doing next. Yeah. Time. Um I think what I need to do is this thingy. I just don't want to deal with this. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just do it like this. Anyway. Um, this is wise. This is wisdom. Make sure you change that to 86. Yeah, that's all I have to do is the color fixing. And also, I guess we'll do Lost Highway at some point. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we just, should also get to Land Without Bread and Calling Mr. Smith. It's just I really lost. I, my... I want it to be where we feel a little bit more secure, like you feel more movie moded. Yeah, I am not just like I could watch a movie right now, but I'm actually doing it. Uh huh. You know, Lost Highway is genuinely the thing I have been most curious about before we just started this David Lynch project, and the only reason I don't want to do Lost Highway right now is because like, um. I'm just not in the in the David Lynch zone, you know. But yeah. I would. We should do Lost Highway soon because I bought that Blu-ray and I am. I haven't seen it. I would love to see it. So. Yeah. Um. I just want a little bit of distance from Twin Peaks Firewalk with yeah, me as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I just don't want us to like mainline David Lynch again and then yeah, burn immediately ourselves out again. Get, yeah. Well, yeah. That's the stairwells. Where can people find we you? We gotta read stairs. Oh, the devil's fucking S. S, fucking S. There's, There's a like a of... million stairs in this movie. Yeah. Uh, one of the most important stairs you basically never see, aside from like a little peek of it, which is like the the like intense spiral stairs that go up to Granier's like you know bedroom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's another. But I mean, you get like the stairs in the dream. Uh-huh. Where she goes down to, like, sweep her hair on Jesus' feet or whatever. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Which are also stairs that are in the town, you know? Yeah. Um, she's, like, imagining him being crucified in Ludon, but Ludon is, you know, Jerusalem? I don't know. I don't know. Where did Jesus get crucified? I think Jerusalem. That sounds right. I'm the son of a pastor, for sure. <laughs> Son is an interesting word you've used there. Wait, did I say son? Yes. Well, <laughs> I was. <laughs> it's it's specifically I wanted to say son of a preacher man because that's like oh, a joke yeah, song yeah, yeah, in my yeah, family. Yeah, yeah. Like, not at my wedding, but at like basically all of my other brothers' weddings, that mm-hmm. song was played at some point. 
That makes sense. Anyway, where could people find you online? Um, you can find me at Foxomnia on Twitter and co-host and Letterboxd and Annie List and I don't know other websites. Uh, go listen to my other podcasts. Uh, I am done watching Iron Blooded Orphans. I have recorded the final, um, you know, episode for that, but that's not going to be out for a little bit. It's like, if you're listening to this in the Patreon feed, it will be like two Fridays. If you're listening to this in the free feed, it's coming out like in a few days. Mm. But um, that was a really good season. Really like that show. Seems like people are enjoying the season. Yeah. Um, Go listen to Around the Long Fire with M. Um, You know, we're we're working our way through Heimskringla right now. The history of the Norwegian kings. Um, you know, we had a, we had a real boring saga in there, but it was a short one. It's fine. Um, we'll, we'll be back to some, we have like a, a two parter, like two week one. And then we're going to really get into St. Olaf. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of him because Norwegians love that guy. They love him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there'll be some good stuff in those. So, um, and listen to Pondering Pluton. Where we say such things as, did you say this on the last episode? I think you talked so. about this I last think time. I did. Um, it's just one of the funniest things Connor's ever said, and I don't know why. It's not yeah. a joke. I don't. I, mean, I don't know what makes it so funny, but it's very funny. Yeah, I won't say it here, out of restraint. Yeah, people will just have to go listen, yeah. find the episode. Yeah. Know which which phrase you're talking about. <laughs> Probably go listen to our last episode and I think you yeah. said it there. But. Yeah. Um my guess is because we got cut off doing victory <laughs> talk last time. Um my guess is we're just gonna get back into victory talk. Milwaukee and Florida? Milwaukee and Florida. Wow. Um and who knows? I I might end up talking about Gun MX with M on because I'm not with Connor. Connor hasn't watched it yet. But on Elf, on Around the Long Fire. I'm going to talk about Gundam X. That show's good. I've been catching up on Around the Long Fire. Um, it's just the best vibes in podcasting. I like, truly, there's like a certain point where I'm like, because I'm not reading along, I can't really follow a lot of what you're talking about with the sagas sometimes. Um, but it doesn't matter because it's truly just the two of you hanging out is just like, ah. It's just it's, it's just relaxing. Not not in a way where it's like um it's the one that I'm the most like like the podcasts that I record that I'm the like most anxious about the vibes on or something because it's just like Em and I haven't been podcasting that long. Mm-hmm. You know. Um after a while with podcasting with someone you kind of just like learn what that's like, uh-huh. the patterns and everything. Um, whereas I'm still in the mode sometimes where if like M pauses a little too long, I'm just like, oh no, did I lose you? You know, uh huh. I feel like that stuff will fade, but, um, I think it is just getting used to podcasting with somebody regularly, you know? Um, this is, it's different. It's, it's different. This is a little bit of the vibe of like coffee and comic books in some ways where it is like, like, Phrasing, trying to. 
The thing that makes coffee and comic books so fun is that like Rick and I immediately have sort of like fallen into a rhythm. Like we just sort of like immediately like the rhythm of it clicked. And so it is just kind of like, <clears throat> I don't feel like I do like deep dives of criticism and, and like, like we, we can do that. We did that with like ducks, but like, I feel like the coffee and comic books mode a lot of times is just like the two of us are just chilling and talking about how sick Orion is or how sick judge dread is. Um, and like, uh, like the, the the last two episodes of Coffee and Comic Books are truly just me screaming into a microphone for like an hour or two and a half hours. Um, yeah. uh, I guess I guess the, you haven't people haven't heard the uh, Judge Dredd episode of Coffee and Comic Books yet, but anyway, um, and so yeah, it's it's fun. I like Coffee and Comic Books a lot. I I was building yeah. to a point and I lost it, but that's fine. There is just like a newness with podcasting with someone. Yeah. But I'm excited to be on Emerald Mapping and GGP. Oh, the, the, the point I was building too is just like in some ways it has made Coffee and Comic Books like my most refreshing podcast because it is truly just like, oh, I have this new friend and we just like chill into a microphone. Like it's just yeah. like the, the like it's just vibes. It's just vibes. And I, I feel the same energy sometimes from Alf. You know, yeah. the The thing that's always funny to me, and like we know when we're going in because we read the saga. Mm -hmm. There are just ones where we go in knowing that we don't want to talk about the saga. Like we're going to, but like we don't have stuff to say about the saga. Uh -huh. And that's the ones where we'll start and we're just like talk for five minutes about drinks. Uh huh. You know. No, you can find me on Twitter at a terminal underscore coffee. You can find me on co-host at a terminal. You can go to exportaud.io to support this podcast and all the podcasts that we do. For a dollar a month, you get this and a bunch of other stuff. For five dollars a month, you get bonus episodes of Coffee and Comic Books. You get a recent episode of Ars Arcanum where I talked about Dragons of Autumn Twilight with my wife, who I love very much. Um, reviews are in. Some are saying that uh, Dragons of Autumn Twilight episode, very good. Um, yeah. I thought, I I was like, I, I we finished the Dragons of Autumn Twilight episode, and I was like, that episode wasn't very good. I just thought it was, I was just, because the thing that had happened is that Nora and I had talked about Dragons of Autumn Twilight constantly for days and days and days and days. And so I was like, oh, that was like the dumbest version of that conversation I had. But to the listeners, it was just like, oh, we came in, we had we had refined and distilled the ideas and the thoughts down to their purest form. We fucking delivered them and we got out and a, a couple of people have told me that that episode was very good. So thank you, everybody, yeah. for saying so. <clears throat> um, and that's for our $5 patrons. Yeah. Anyway. I have to go to the bathroom, so maybe we should end the podcast. I guess. Did you... I thought you did plugs. Did you not do plugs? I did do plugs. Okay. You had a look on your face like you were expecting something else. I was just thinking, like, it would be nice to have some cake right now. But anyway, Nanahachi is real. Nanahachi is real.
white on white translucent black capes back on the rack Bella goes is dead The bats have left the bell tower The victims have been bled Red velvet lines The black box Bella Lugos is dead Bella Lugos is dead
Tornid stairwells. Uh, the sound that you're hearing is spite, is resentment, is fury, is ire, frustration and despair, <laughs> longing. <laughs> we sat down <laughs> to record this. We update our little uh, uh, spreadsheet with the movies. We make a couple jokes about Leonard Nimoy. And then you, from outside of my field of vision, produced a cake with, I'm seeing whipped cream, I'm seeing bananas, I'm seeing blueberries, I'm seeing- It's a bavlova. Okay. No cake for me. No offer of cake. No mention of cake. This is the last piece, and it's a cake for moms. That's fine. I understand that. I was a little betrayed when. <laughs> Thank you. I just felt a little betrayed when here I was minding my own business and there was hitherto unknown cake. If you had said to me, oh, hey, I have this cake, it's the last piece, um, I wouldn't have. I'd have been like, okay, yeah, sure. Yesterday was Mother's Day. That That's your cake, whatever. It was the, it was the, but producing the cake, like, it was the, it was the surprise of the cake, and it was the surprise of the no cake for you. There was cake you didn't know about, and you don't get any. Were you gonna steal Mom Valor? I read two books to your child, three, even. I've earned my one bite of cake. And you got it. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm a mom. I'm saying I clocked in at the mom factory for like 20 minutes there. <laughs> anyway. Now I have to fill time until you're done chewing. <laughs> Welcome to the Ornate Stairwell's mukbang. Um, I was just going to eat this before we recorded. No! You... 
produced that cake and decided, now I'm going to get roasted on the podcast. Mm-hmm. There's no way you didn't think I was going to get your ass for this. Yeah, we, <laughs> we were looking at, like, Letterbox, you know. We were doing a spreadsheet. And never did you think, hey, Autumn might have feelings about me eating cake by myself. <laughs> you didn't think I'm that sorry I... sorry you have cake jealousy. <laughs> I do. I'm not allowed to eat cake the day after Mother's Day that's Mother's Day cake in my own home. I'm not saying you're not allowed. Without you trying to put me on blast on a podcast. I'm not saying you're not allowed. I'm saying that we were sitting in front of the microphone. We were about to... I was about to be like, you want to hit record? You want to get going? I was about to do those things anyway. And then you pulled a cake from your butthole. (laughs) And you started sitting here. When we walked in, it was sitting here, and I moved it to put the laptop here. Do you think I pay attention? How much attention do you think I pay, generally? Whose fault is it that you didn't pay attention to the cake that's been here the whole time? I walked in the room. I saw the water bottle that I left here last time. I was like, oh, I'm going to go get some water real quick. I was not... I was not paying attention. Anyway... I was just going to pull this out, start adding some while we were talking, and then be like, do you want some? But you had to, like, make a whole thing out of it. I did. (laughs) Trying to put me on blast for the podcast for my Mother's Day cake. (laughs) Listener, voice in. Who's in the right ear? (laughs) Uh, My Mother's Day pavlova. uh, Listeners, write in. Hop in the Discord. Let us know who's right. But um, specifically, I really want Joe's take on this, and only if he agrees with me. Joe, if you don't agree with me, just fucking stay out of it. Also, any listen, other listeners who don't agree with me, fucking stay out of it. It's none of your goddamn business. <laughs> I just wanted to enjoy my Mother's Day Pavlova before we recorded. Is that so much to ask? You enjoyed that. Yeah, I enjoyed the pavlova. Yeah, you also enjoyed getting roasted on the podcast. No. Yes, you did, you fucking liar. <laughs> you fucking lying piece of shit. I'm getting so much abuse right now. You called me a cunt before the podcast. I was With like, affection. <laughs> <laughs> ja- Jackson deemed me an honorary Brit. I can say it. <laughs> you were like, let's record. Uh, you. Okay. I was sitting on the couch. You said, what's up, bitch? <laughs> and I was like, what the hell did I do? You're like, let's go record. And I, I was like, I'm sleepy. And you're like, okay, cunt. And I was like, what the no. fuck? No, I said. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, okay, come along, sleepy cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I put sleepy on there. It helps, it helps suggest the the affection, the complimentary. <laughs> I'm just also, saying. when I said, what's up, bitch? And you were like, what? I said, what's up, bitch? Complimentary. I explained it. <laughs> I'm just saying that I was literally just You're- sitting. I was vibing. I have a t-shirt today. With a, with a skeleton, drinking a beer, sitting in the pool, and it says, chillin'. That's what I was doing. You you know what this house is like. You know how much Emily and I just say, like, bitch and cunt at each other. I, I'm not saying... I, I, I know. I'm just saying that I was sitting there, vibing, minding my business. 
and you roasted my ass. You were no, like, I what didn't. up, bitch, cunt? <laughs> you you just came and attacked me viciously. And then when you... <laughs> you were misrepresenting what I said. You viciously attacked me. No. And then we came in here, and you provoked me, and you're like, why am I being attacked right now? I, I'm i <laughs> feeling like there's a lot of victim blaming happening on this podcast right now. <laughs> Victim blaming? You had cake! I didn't! (laughs) But the roasting that's happening here. I'm the victim of not getting cake! It was Mother's Day cake. Also, you got a bite. So I don't know what you're complaining about. I could have just not gotten the cake out. Yeah, all of this would have been avoided if you just didn't bring the cake into the recording space. That's true. You are agreeing with me that if I hadn't known about the cake or had been forewarned about the cake, none of this would have happened. But you specifically constructed events such that this happened. Construct events. You you brought this upon yourself is all I'm saying. I thought you were aware of the cake. I do sound victim blaming. Like when I say it like that, when I spray I thought you were aware of the cake. The cake that was sitting on the counter. This is this is some I didn't I then, inhale ass shit right that now. That I then carried in here. At what point did you... You think I would... If I noticed the cake, if the cake entered my perception, don't you think I would have asked, oh, is that cake? Oh, what kind of cake is that? Yeah. So when I didn't ask those things... <laughs> but I, I figured you... Would probably when you would become aware of the cake, you would just be like, "Oh, is that cake? Can I have some?" And then I'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's the last slice. It was for Mother's Day, but you can have a bite if you want." But instead, you had to get aggressive with all of this, <laughs> just assuming that any cake in this household is like rightfully belongs to you as well. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> it's on the podcast. People can hear it. <laughs> That is not what I'm saying. (laughs) What I'm saying is that cake was just... You just started eating cake in front of me, and as... Yeah, my cake. (laughs) Whatever. I'm done with this conversation. (laughs) We were talking in circles. (laughs) Just saying, you don't own every cake that's in here. I don't. If you told me, no, this is my cake, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, that's your cake. But instead of you saying anything to me, you immediately started recording to put me on blast for eating cake. Oh, I'm sorry that I had a funny idea for the (laughs) podcast we do. Oh, no comedy allowed. I forgot. Sorry. My bad. (laughs) No joy. No mirth. I'm just just turning it back on you. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to get more engagement than anything else (laughs) we do this year. Is this, is this not homophobia zone? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Just the start. <laughs> we're just in the podcast now. I don't have much for the non-homophobia zone if that's what we're doing. I don't. I mean, if there's no non-homophobia zone, Emma will be disappointed. Okay, I guess homophobia zone, non-homophobia zone, it is. Yeah. Homophobia zone is a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> homophobia zone is, um, I think KB's Twitter. <laughs> Um, anything else you want to talk about before we get into the real show? Mm, not really. I mean, 
the the thing I had for like an idea if we need a non homophobia zone thing, it would be kind of hard to do fully on the podcast. Like maybe like you put on headphones or something. Mm-hmm. It would just be like here is the song that won Eurovision, but I don't even know if you know what it sounds like. No, I don't. But I also don't know if it'd be a good audio. Probably not, unless you wanted to go through the work of like laying it into the podcast. And like, yeah, there's only one set of headphones, so like I'd be listening without you. Yeah. So I mean, I know what it sounds like. I guess that you do know what it sounds like. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Pull up the song. Okay. Um, I haven't told you about a little project that I've been engaged in the last 24 to 48 hours, something like that. I've got a little spreadsheet in my Google Drive um, called I Need More Cock. Uh, where I'm trying to assemble a semi-complete uh, bibliography of Michael Moorcock. Okay. Um, here, I was vamping while you were pulling that up. Yeah, let me let me go back and we'll I'll do a little countdown so I can sync it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Three, two, one. Okay. This is a song intro. I don't have any reaction to this so far. Now, part of the, the experience here with watching this, this is not a music video. This, mm. is, be, this is being shot on a stage. Okay. You need to be aware that, like, basically every other act just fully looks like, like people standing around a stage performing. Right. I'm enjoying this song. Yeah. Also, her weird long nails. So, Which, do, so when she won and she went up on stage to get the award, and then whoever wins has to perform it again, which seems like kind of a mean thing to do. The person <laughs> you just won is being like, you have to do that again. Um, you can tell if you watch the, the one from when she won, like the second time she performed it, she's like tired. Yeah. Um, but she had the long nails on still. I was like, you should just keep those on in the green room. <laughs> Do people get, like, famous off of Eurovision? Oh, yeah. This is the okay. second time she's won. Well, d- um, do people get, like, record deals and stuff? or is it? Yeah, I mean, so a thing with Lauren is I think she's had, like, some really good albums after this where sometimes it'll sometimes be this, like, one-hit wonder kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, ABBA started at Eurovision. I think. Okay. And then, like, became a whole thing. Right. You know? I mean, that's one example, but... Okay. Um, you know Jedward. You know Jedward, right? I've definitely heard <laughs> the word Jedward before. It's not ringing a bell, but... Um, I feel like it kind of varies a little bit, too, with the music. Like, sometimes it's just, like, a person who's doing a song, and that's, like, basically all that gets released. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, like, um, Maneskin, they, like one two years ago they're like an actual band and stuff so they still do like concerts in the u.s now that little that little run the thing she does that's that is not an easy thing to do yeah um and to do that live that's impressive yeah See, there's moments here where you become more aware that she's on a stage, but there's like this yeah. moment. I thought I think part of the experience of watching this for me is that like there's a lot of stuff there's, where it's not like fully working. 
you know, like they're not quite hitting the notes right, or uh-huh. the performance just isn't quite there, and she's like doing everything. Yeah, that's the um... like. It's impressive to me that you watch this and this is on, like a live performance, and it feels like you're watching a music video for the most part. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that's hitting for me at least is um, there's a... the song itself. I'm like, yeah, that was a good little song. It was yeah. the it was the starting starting the performance from laying down to yeah. like while singing like slowly standing up and still having like that tight of vocal control like not not losing it not um you yeah. know nothing really getting away from you that was impressive yeah <sighs> I think she's just like a stellar performer it's it the, was... the Finland was the second one and that was Emily's like favorite to win mm-hmm. um and it was like far more in just like the this is uh like part of the appeal sometimes with Eurovision is they just send some like real like like kind of camp bizarre stuff and it's like far more in that where okay it starts out more like technoey and stuff and then it turns into cha-cha at the end mm-hmm. um and there's like a part where you like rides on a human centipede and yeah. stuff and it starts with like him like in a wooden crate like breaking out and then like performing on like pallets and stuff the 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 feeling whereas this is just like this is a you know she's a fantastic performer obviously not to the same extent but it it was like so you know as the performance went on it was like the sort of the feeling when we went to Nico Case and I was like she can do that live yeah it's one thing to do the things that Nico Case does on a record they're still like you know, still fucking incredible that she can do that on a record. Yeah. But that she can get up there and do it live and it still sounds, as, you know, as perfect as it does on the record is just amazing. Yeah. You know? I think we have a cat trying to break in. Mm-hmm. Should we maybe, like, take a little pause, try to address the cat situation, and then get into the real podcast? Yeah. Okay. We haven't had one in a... In a little while, where Lem just absolutely ruined the podcast. He certainly tried, and he certainly yeah. come in for like the late stages of the podcast. <coughs> All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Ornate Stairwells podcast about movies. I'm Autumn. I'm joined as always by Nia. My name is Neve. Yeah. Uh, I was falsely accused. <laughs> but you'll get to that you'll get to that we have, we have an explosive non-homophobia zone for you this week so I uh, look forward to that but before then I was attacked <laughs> <laughs> can I intro the goddamn podcast or not <laughs> go <laughs> if you're new here this is a podcast where we watch movies. In our first segment, we're going to talk about the other movies we watched this week. Then we'll talk about our main movie, The Devils, directed by Ken Russell. Uh, and then you'll hear our little outro music, and then there will be the non-homophobia zone. Mm-hmm. Um, where we just kind of bullshit. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, we, you know, if you listened last time, we talked about how we're not really in the movie zone right now. You've been still watching more Gundam? Yeah, I mean, I've been, like, keeping up with the Gundam that I want to watch to, like, be on my pace, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. <clears throat> I also, I had this moment where I was like, okay, the time that we're going to record the Chrono Cross Admiral Mapping is, like, not immediate, but it's coming up. Mm-hmm. 
And I need to, I don't want to like be cramming the end of that game to beat it in time. I don't want to like have to like play it when I'm not in the mood to play it. So there's like any time that I'm like, yeah, I could play some Chrono Cross. I'm going to like try and play some Chrono Cross. So I beat that this weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, Because especially once I got through with all the like, here's the stuff that I want to do to prepare myself for endgame to make endgame like smoother, you know? Mm-hmm. I got like the the special equipment stuff that's just gonna make stuff easier. Um, once all that was sorted, which is the most grindy the game ever gets, and it's still not that grindy. Um, then it was just like smooth sailing. Then it was like easy, you right? Because at that point, like the the combat isn't even a a thing I am worried about anymore, right? And I'm not thinking, oh, this is a group of enemies. Should I try and use the summon so that I can get the you know, shiny material now right. while I have the opportunity so that I don't have to grind for it later. None of that. I already have the shiny material for everybody that I care about, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so all I'm doing is just going like, here's the bosses, here's the story, here's the optional stuff that I want to see, uh-huh. you know, not the optional stuff that I'm kind of seeing cause it's a little bit interesting, but also it's like useful for getting me this equipment or whatever. So, um, yeah, I just like cruised right through the final dungeon optional stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is Eurovision was last week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a thing that's especially really important to Emily. Um, so we were watching that in the evenings basically and like on the weekend for the, the grand finale. So that also took up some of my time. Emily's I... mom visited. I also engaged in a big annual tradition of mine this last week. Getting really mad at sports. Watching the Sixers lose so bad that I question, why do I like basketball? Why do I yeah. Why do I get invested? Every year, I'm like, no, this is the year that we'll actually pull it off. And this, this year, I really, I really believed in this team. To, I, didn't, I didn't believe in a ring. I, I'll just be honest. I didn't believe in us. Getting to the finals, winning the finals. I didn't believe in that. What I believed in was getting past Boston. (laughs) Not losing to Boston another fucking time. I cannot. I. We've lost to Boston so many times. We've. I fucking hate. And and to lose game seven in Boston. So every two set in a blowout game. Like Tatum fucking embarrassed us. And so every time he hit another three pointer and it cut to 50,000 fucking white assholes, <laughs> just the whitest fucking crowd in sports. I, oh. <coughs> I'm good now. It's out of my system. <laughs> I'm I'm not good. I'm going to spend the next week coping. Because the other thing is that now Boston advances. I hate Boston. Denver, I'm I'm so convinced that Denver is going to like roll through the playoffs. Jokic is going to get his first ring, and I'm going to look like a goddamn idiot because there was Jokic getting two MVPs. He's on track to win a championship. And I've been here the whole time like, nah, 
fuck Jokic. That that guy, he's no good. Embiid is my guy. Embiid is a fucking loser. <laughs> he's like. <laughs> He's got a loser fucking mentality, a loser fucking state of mind, and here I am believing in... The, oh, whatever, I'm done now. I'm done. Whatever. Jokic fans, you, you win. Good fucking job. Here I am, like this. <laughs> I hate it. Zemily's mom was also visiting yeah. for like a, a decent part of this weekend. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> and she goes to bed, like not super early, but still like earlier than... Mm-hmm. Then no- Emily normally goes to bed usually, um, but Emily will usually just go to bed around the time that her mom goes to bed uh, while her mom's here. Um, and at that point, because normally Emily goes to bed and I'm usually up for another half hour, hour, mm-hmm. you know, um, I just sleep a little less than Emily does. Yeah. Just like naturally. And so it's like nice to have like, oh, like maybe I'll watch like an episode of something or um, I'm just going to like chill a little bit and like you know check twitter or something while emily's like watching tick because the other thing is emily watches tiktok in bed Mm -hmm. and if i go to bed at the same time as her when i'm like in bed i want to be falling asleep Mm -hmm. because if i'm not my brain will go into like the various anxieties i have around sleep yeah and i just want i want to like take my bedtime pill Mm mm-hmm have a little bit of time where I'm like brushing my teeth and stuff and waiting for it to like really hit and then just get into bed and hopefully fall asleep pretty quickly. You don't want to lay there and think about, oh, there was that dumb thing I said 10 years ago. I mean, time to really dwell on that. Or the the thing that happened this weekend is there was one night where I was just like up until 2 a.m. So I started thinking about the my turf harasser mm. uh, and that just like put me into anxiety spiral. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so what then happens is it's like 10. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually not going to bed until like a little before midnight or sometimes midnight or sometimes a little later. Mm-hmm. When it's after midnight, I'm like, mm, I should have been in bed by midnight. But now it's like significantly earlier. And I just have to either like go to bed or try to find something that I can do quietly in the dark. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not like, <laughs> what? It's just. There is. <laughs> I have to find something I can do quietly in the dark. Pregnant pause. <laughs> Keep I mean, moving. I mean, usually it's just like I'll like read some manga on the tablet or yeah. something. Yeah. You know, or I will just like listen to a podcast for a little bit. But it's always awkward because it's like there's also not really a place for me to be because Emily's mom uh-huh. just sleeps on the sofa and yeah. stuff. So. <clears throat> Um, but yeah, that also just makes it harder for me to just like fit other things in. Um, then I was doing a lot of work orders at work, so I wasn't like watching movies at work. Mm. Um, now I'm mostly through that stuff. But then I, this is the other thing that was subconsciously happening is I'd have a moment where I'd be like, I could watch a movie right now, or I could still catch up on podcasts because I'm still a little bit behind from the trip. And if I watch a movie, I have to record stairwells Monday night and hopefully, ideally, I would like to get the proper amount of sleep. I should be in bed by 10 because mm. I have to drive to work. <laughs> there, There is a child screaming. I might go check on that. We might have wandered back into the non-homophobia zone at a certain point. Yeah. We, 
We might just we this might have just gone into life updates. You go you go Yeah. Um I'll vamp. Anyway. I no longer have to drive into work tomorrow. Yeah. But I still only consciously didn't watch movies for that purpose. I wonder if the mic picked up the screaming child. <laughs> it was very I'd heard like a you know, I'd heard just like a little like, like some like shout or or vocalization, and I was like, "Huh, was that child?" And then I just heard. Aah! Sorry, I'm yelling out on the podcast. I kind of feel like the 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 getting so mad about the Sixers, I started coughing. Um, I feel like that was the moment. I was like, maybe we need to just put this in the non-homophobia zone. I don't know. Anyway. Um, vamping time, vamp, 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 vamp. Um, no, it just, the thing that sucks, teams lose, teams lose, it happens, it is what it is. The thing that sucks is that, like, every team that's still in the playoffs is, like, a team I have clowned on, a team I have doubted. Um, every team that's still in the playoffs is just like, oh, Miami, great. Jimmy left Philly, and now he's doing better than ever. Uh, <clears throat> Boston, oh, great, our rivals. Denver, our West rivals. Oh, the Lakers, cool. The Lakers are the team that I don't have any like grievances with. Great. I love, <laughs> I love being in the last two rounds of the playoffs and being like, yeah, the Lakers are my guys. The fucking Los Angeles... No. So. I, I vamped about the only thing I knew how to vamp about. Emily was already in there. I think it was just could not find their, like, lovey. Mm, yeah. Which is the theme of today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, everything was okay. <sighs> we had a puton that we made, like, five minutes into, and then we had the scrap, because uh, my my kid was also screaming bloody murder. I, I think maybe that's all. That just kind of turned into life update and screaming about the Sixers. Maybe we should just non-homophobia zone all of that and yeah, reset, restart, reset. Just get a yeah. get the vibes back. Nothing, nothing wrong, you know. Nothing, nothing that like stuff we have to trim. Nothing yeah. we have to cut. Do you think it'd be funny if I edited th- this so that it's like this stuff here where we thought it was podcast, and then I play the outro. I th- I or should should I not do another double bell a ghost he's dead? I I think you just leave it. I just think you just let it ride. Mm-hmm. I think you just get into like you get up to address the cat situation, cut, and then it's just hi everybody, welcome to. <laughs> anyway. <laughs>